You're listening to the Miniature Podcast. My name is Ryan, and I'm the Useless Wizard. Today's guest is Jose Castillo of Splendiferous Minis. Jose's background in two-dimensional art and his heart-charging, fearless approach to new techniques and new projects and new ideas means that he's got a lot of really good insights, and I really enjoyed this interview. I hope you do as well. I do want to give this a little bit of historical context. This was recorded well before the pandemic in late 2019. Welcome back to the Miniature Podcast. Today, we're talking to Splendiferous Mini. How's it going, man? Wonderful. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. We had a little technical uh, hoofla going on, but we're, we're good now. Yeah, you, you saw my my limited technical knowledge uh, at work there, trying to get that, that working uh, for us. That's perfect. And- yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's all right. We got it. We got it working out. So, um, you're you just started on Twitch painting miniatures mm-hmm. uh, for a couple of episodes, and you're, you're um, I understand is you're going to continue doing that. But how mm. did you start painting miniatures? What was the start of this journey? Um, uh, mine was kind of like two part. I, you know, I, I, my first start, like I got introduced to it when I was like 16. Okay. Uh, a guy I knew, he, you know, at a local gaming shop, he, you know, showed me how to paint a couple, you know, do some washing and dry brushing. So I kind of played around with it a little bit and then I didn't touch it again for maybe like 14 years. Oh, wow. Uh, and, uh, one of my bar regulars, uh, he, he played, uh, War Machine okay. and he wanted me to paint his, uh, Gordon Grumbach because he liked dwarves. Uh, and he knew I liked painting and comics and stuff like that. So I painted it and then I, you know, it off, it came with a stat card. So I started reading the stat card and I was like, wow, this is really interesting. So I, you know, I want to do more of these. So I, you know, I was like, I learned more about the game. And then uh-huh. at the same time, you know, I started purchasing a bunch of models. Uh, and, you know, that, of course, you know, grew into me wanting to you know, become a, you know, slowly become a better painter. Sure. Uh, uh, but yeah, that was the, uh, that was, that was definitely the start of it right there. It was just that, you know, that one handed, you know, person handing it to me asking, like, say, Hey, can you, what can you do? You know, can I, you know, and, and he even told me, he said, you know, it's like, I want you to make it look like it does on the stack card. Uh, so, and he was oh. really impressed with like how I went in and like, you know, you know, picked out all the little, the, the, you know, the, the rivets and everything. And I found a, a level of, uh, it was fairly cathartic, uh, yeah. working on that. So. Awesome. So you said he was one of your bar regulars. Were you working at the bar? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was a, I was a bartender at, uh, at Bonefish for like the last, like, it was like six years, something okay. like that, five years, five years, something like that. So how did, how did the subject of painting come up if you hadn't been like, was it, was it, you know, how did that, how did that come up? Cause you said you hadn't painted for like 14 years, but then you said you'd painting I, other things. I haven't painted miniatures, okay. uh, but I've always been uh, drawing comics and like I paint, you know, like bread pull out canvas and I paint on canvas, you know, just gotcha. kind of mess around a little bit, uh, you know. Uh, then there was, uh, uh, yeah, I did a little bit of, you know, dabbled in a little bit of sculpting. I went to art school uh, okay. to, study, to study media arts and animation uh, for a few years. Uh, so, I mean, I had a little, you know, small little bits of introduction to certain, you know, certain aspects of it. And I've definitely taken that uh, and it's helped me out in, in, you know, learning about painting. That's awesome. So coming from drawing comics and painting and uh, two-dimensional paintings and uh, things like that, uh, how was the transition? Like, 
was it was it difficult where there's things that uh you had to relearn or um things that stood out to you during the trend you know adopting that um i would say you know you know when i first started it was still fairly basic in what i was okay. doing so i mean it would basically you know you know with washing and, and dry brushing uh which are still you know you can still create really great uh pieces yeah. using those techniques I'm not downplaying those techniques at all uh but you know there wasn't really a whole lot of um uh, bringing those aspects uh of my of that art world other than my color you know other than my colors uh, you know sure. learning playing around with those colors um so you know it came later uh when i started to really try and push uh push those elements you know obviously i know about my you know my object source lighting and mm -hmm. trying to create you know trying to create you know certain values and things but it wasn't until the uh it wasn't until i started to really uh, dive into uh, the miniature painting world and started learning from all of these, you know, these other different painters and, you know, learning all of the, you know, their, uh, you know, their methods and how they looked at, you know, how doing things and, and so on and so forth that I actually started to transition that, uh, you know, that, that same amount of knowledge before it was just fun, you know, yeah. or, I mean, it's still fun, but I mean, it was, it was just something that I wasn't really, uh, I wasn't really that, you know, it was just messing around. Sure. You know, it, you know, it was something I did on the side when I wasn't, you know, like painting canvases or something like that. If that seemed, if that makes any sense, if that yeah. seems kind of still, um, you know, just kind of playing with toys at that point. That's awesome. So just, just <laughs> having fun experimenting yeah. and having a good time, but using some skills that you had before that's, that's handy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. And, you know, it's, you know, it's, uh, it, it's breaking, it's getting those, but, you know, exposing yourself to other painters and stuff so that uh -huh. you do get, you know, uh, the things that you're not seeing, you're not learning because you got to break out of your, uh, you know, your, your own head or that's, that's definitely sure. my biggest downfall, uh, is, is, uh, is how much I have to, you know, you know, get out of my own world and see, mm -hmm. uh, you know, what, what other painters are doing. Awesome. Sorry. No, that's that's a, a okay. Nothing to be sorry about. Um, that's what this conversation is all about. It's learning by you, right? Mm -hmm. So, where do you find your inspiration now that you're looking outside of yourself, or do you fi still find most of that inspiration within yourself? Like, w how do you approach that? Where does it come from? Um, I would say it's it, you know so many different places. Um, you know, from people that I've met and, you know, other artists that I've met and where their inspirations have come from and, you know, things, you know, seeing things the way, you know, from their perspective uh -huh. and how they see, the world. um, for example, uh, you know, like tag artwork, like I never really appreciated tag artwork. I always mm -hmm. thought it was cool, but I never really appreciated it until I had a friend of mine who was a tag artist. Okay. And now it, time i get stuck by a train i don't feel like i really get stuck behind a train i feel like i get i get to sit and look at a moving art gallery for a few minutes that's awesome uh, so, so i mean it's you know you 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 have to uh for me it's been about pulling inspiration not just from like, like comics and movies and and things like that which i do pull a lot of those inspirations from but it's also from uh you know those perspectives those moments that i get to see world from other different artists eyes mm -hmm how they how they see things <laughs> that's awesome ha, has there ever been a you know a, a time where you've seen something 
like uh you know a, a beautifully done tag or some other artwork that you either that either directly translated into a miniature like the, 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 either mm-hmm. the colors or the texture the impression it, anything like that is there anything that's been like like the central inspiration for one of your projects um there has been but i didn't finish it there okay. was one that i was working on the the meat thresher uh for the um uh, minions army and i okay. was working on trying to put um tag work uh from uh on there like like carver stuff and, mm-hmm. and you know a couple of other different things but i wasn't able to at that time uh that was still before i'd really learned about how to do free handing and things like that gotcha. so it's something i need to go back and uh and revisit you know sometimes it um oh with some of i've got so many projects like that yeah where like i get uh, you know, like I kind of just jump ahead of where my my skill level happens to be. Like I get a little too, you know. Same thing with Twitch. I just jump in with both feet. It's uh, go big or go home. Sure. Yeah. And and you know when you do that, it's it's overwhelming, but mm. you learn a lot. It's kind of how I was doing with this podcast. I did a lot of research, and then I was just like, all right, let's do this. Mm-hmm. So it, it it works, but it's overwhelming. I'm, uh, I've always been the, uh, you know, uh, thrown to the wolves. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, that's uh, uh, even the job I work at now. Like it's, you know, that was how it was. Like, uh, you know, we made the joke that the learning curve kind of went like this on the other side. And this is a cliff where everybody's kind of yeah. hanging off. These are all the dead <laughs> bodies underneath. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's, it's figure it out or, you know, or you know, go home. So, I mean, that's, that's kind of where I go with that. It's not necessarily the, the best approach sometimes, sure. but sometimes, it, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes you fall flat, but you, you definitely learn a lot. It's awesome. That's kind of how my work is at times. It's like the first six months you're drinking water from a fire hose. <laughs> that's another fantastic <laughs> analogy. I like that one. <laughs> so have you ever had kind of a, a, a eureka moment in uh, when you're developing your particular style of painting minis? Cause we've all got, you know, different styles that are influenced by different peoples, but has there mm-hmm. been a time when it's just completely clicked for you? Um, I would say lately over the last like a couple of years, especially with color theory okay. uh, in, uh, in the, excuse me, uh, the articles that I was reading, uh, written by uh, Chris Suri. Okay. And then the uh, the cri- private coaching classes I've been taking with, uh, I took with uh, Sergio. Mm-hmm. And especially with Sergio, like his, you know, his use of colors and, you know, his, his approach to looking at them. Um, you know, it was, uh, it, you know, going through those different things, you know, that was when I finally started to have these, you know, your Eureka moments. Um, and, and also, um, you know, trying to, uh, uh, you know, finally starting to get brave about my colors. No longer looking at it as like I need to grab these like five tones mm-hmm. of of a paint in order to create the you know the value scale uh, that right. I'm looking for. You know, it's you know it's you know I I I, I don't feel afraid to you know throw that complementary color or that contrasting color you know you know into the shadow in order to to brighten something. You know, I'll throw sure. it. I'll throw I'll throw some gray, you know, some green into the into the shadow of my red cloak in order to yep. make that red just, you know, pop out. You know, things like that. You know, getting over those uh, those fears of doing those things. That's awesome. 
So, um, other than other than private classes, are there any kind of resources that you've found that have been really helpful in your understanding of color theory? Because, I mean, having one-on-one classes is super helpful, but not everybody yeah. can has access to them. No, um, no, uh, yeah. Um, the the uh, the the Chris Suri articles; those are free. You can read okay. those online. Those are, uh, and, and there's a couple of other ones too. If you actually Google them, you can pull those up. Um, and then there are actual, uh, I was just watching a, um, uh, uh, some 10 minutes to be a better painter videos hmm. there. Now they're the, the guy who makes them, he, uh, he's doing digital artwork Okay. and he uses a lot of traditional paintings, but the concepts still translate, uh, right. uh to miniature painting. Yeah. Cause, cause there's still. No, it's still fundamental concepts of art. So that that makes sense being able to to look uh outside of miniature painting towards mm-hmm. fine arts and other other artists to be able to learn from them. Oh yeah. That's awesome. Right. I I need to do that more. Yeah, there's um and, and I mean there's there's a ton of resources like that. I mean you can even go you can even go to your uh local library or even mm-hmm. like a half price book. Uh, half price books and, and uh, look at traditional paintings if you want to learn how to do non-metallic metals uh, because they have you know because it's the same thing for classic uh, paintings as well yeah they use those same principles in order to create the metallic looks because they weren't using uh, metallic flame right at all either so i mean you can still find those uh, uh you know those you can still find those resources without necessarily having to take those private coaching classes sure uh, that's just, um, you know, those, those are, you know, I started off with taking, you know, smaller classes at like Adepticon mm-hmm. and then I have progressed into, you know, taking, you know, those more advanced, you know, more advanced classes. Awesome. Yeah. I've taken a few classes at Adepticon from, uh, some very cool painters. I'm hoping to this coming year, but we'll, we'll see. Uh, they always sell out really fast. Yeah. I've. I've uh, I've learned over the years to uh, kind of just write down the the ones that I you know that I really want, mm-hmm. and then I'll like I'll pick like one or two that I really really want that I know that they're you know they're going to sell out fast, and I'll throw them into my my cart and I'll check out like as quickly as possible, and then I'll go back and I'll see if I any of my other secondaries or yeah you know, secondaries third picks might be still available and go through i gotcha yeah i'm always so paranoid that i'm not going to get the swag bag or i'm not going to get anything else that i just registered like mm. i don't do anything else i'm just like give me this and i'm done okay now i can go back because i've got yeah. my spot i've got my swag bag i i know i know that i've got that mm-hmm. and those swag bags are are ridiculous too. <laughs> yeah, and I'm I'm such I'm such a hoarder for miniatures that it's like that's the most important important thing on an emotional level. Yeah. On an intellectual level, yeah, it's not that big of a deal. But on an emotional level, it's just like I have all this stuff now. And um, I mean, and I mean, it's like what? It's not even it's not even like it's expensive for the swag bag either. No. It's a it's a very reasonable price. Like it's an extra uh, thirty bucks or something. I, I, yeah. I don't remember quite what it is, but it's under a hundred. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, this past year, we just moved, and my girl, I came home from Adepticon, and I come in with the, all of that stuff in the swag <laughs> bag, and she's like, are you serious? And I'm like, no, no, I, I, I swear if this was... I purchased this before. <laughs> this, this, is, this is all free. I promise. 
<laughs> yeah, that's that was definitely. <laughs> yeah Uh, that this last year's swag bag was was absolutely ridiculous i mean just handing us the starter set for game of thrones itself as 150 dollars is just like that was one thing yeah and then then they had oh god there was there were like two other games that they threw Uh into yeah it was just yeah the song of ice and fire though that's nuts i'm actually going to be using a lot of those miniatures for the classes that i'll be teaching in january And indie, that uh, the indie, my uh, some friend of mine are, are trying to put a con together. In, oh, good! Uh, in January, but so I'll be teaching classes there. But yeah, I plan on breaking out the Song of Ice and Fire. Uh, There's some good some minis. Coffee. There's some oh, good yeah. minis. They'll be great for classes. Oh yeah, that's what I was thinking too. I was like, thank you, thank you so much, Adepticon. Right? <laughs> just made made my classes cheaper. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> What's the first thing that you do when you're starting or planning a new project one thing that i always heard repeated over and over again and i and i definitely agree with is i definitely you're looking at the story of your model okay what why and 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 where is of of your model and what's going on with it and then you move you know you progress from there you try and tell that story okay Uh, when I was painting my, you know, uh, last year I, I did a, a Nemo bust for Gen Con and, you know, I did it without the, the power strips mm-hmm. and I wanted to be, you know, I was thinking very fallout, you know, post-apocalyptic, you know, kind of, you know, uh, you know, kind of guy. So yeah. I had like, you know, freehand on the, on the shoulder pads, a little bit of damage and, you know, like lightning on the thing, you know, and I was like, as you know, I have like burn on his face and. You know, just, you know, as I progressed with it, you know, I just continued to try and tell that story uh, and it and it paid off in the end. Yeah, uh, I, know, think, uh, I think I've seen pictures of that and it's absolutely jaw dropping. Uh, it's really you. nice. Yeah, much better than this pasture. <laughs> I, it, it happens. Yeah, you know? well, I didn't nearly as much as I did and that's the thing is you know when you when you tell the story versus when you just arbitrarily kind of put things together you can sure. tell it's, it's it, it makes all the difference so for you telling you know understanding the the story that you're trying to tell like I the background of the character where they are where they've been where they're going that kind mm-hmm. of stuff really gives you kind of the the structure for the paint job mm-hmm. that's correct yeah. And that's, you know, that's, it helps you whenever, and it also allows you to, uh, to change with the model if you need to, because, okay. you know, sometimes when you're painting something, accidents will occur, uh, you might have, or, you know, that, that might actually add more information to a model, um, and therefore give you a little bit more quality to it. Um, you know, or, you know, you, you might, you might need to move something or change something around because you don't like the way that it looks mm-hmm. or it doesn't seem to fit quite as well into the story that you're trying to tell. Uh, so, I mean, it's just the same as if you were, you know, you were writing, you know, writing a story or if you were, uh, you, know, you know, cooking a meal or putting something together or mixing, you know, you just, you kind of just kind of have to feel it out, but you, you know, you don't get so committed to it that you you know, putting your blinders on and you can't, you know, progress any forward. That happens to me a lot. Gotcha. So the, the, that kind of structure, it's more of a, it's more of like a, a loose guideline rather than this is who this is. And that doesn't change. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. It lets you be flexible with it while still staying within a certain path. Correct. Okay. Sorry. I, when when I get mental images like that, it just helps me to to talk them out to make sure I'm understanding mm -hmm. properly. So no, no, no. That, uh, that makes I, a lot of sense. No, no, it's, I, sometimes I'm, uh, my communication is, is not so great. So I, I you know, I, I stumble. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. I think, I think, I think I got the information you were trying to communicate and we're, <laughs> we're good. So that brings up a, a follow-up question to me. That's not, you know, not on the list that uh, we talked about, but I think it's really interesting. Is there a particular technique or set of techniques that you find helps you tell your stories better than others? Like uh, weathering, tell more of a story, or is it color choice? What do you find guides you more or helps you do that more? Um, I would definitely... God, you know, uh, I would say that there's probably a, a combination of a lot of different things. Okay. Uh, I definitely am getting more into the uh, using more of my brush strokes to try and create more information. Okay. Uh, uh, that's something where I was kind of lacking in before, and I still kind of lack. I still struggle with my, you know, my brush technique. It's probably one of my biggest ones. I think I jumped the gun there on a, on a, on a future question. That's okay. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I would say that, you know, the, the playing around uh, with the um, you know, playing around with those colors, uh, but also uh, but working on the, uh, the brushstroke technique okay. uh, has definitely helped to try and tell the stories because, you know, doing things like adding weathering, adding uh, textures and things like that. And also, you know, but you can't be too much with it, you know, because if everything looks textured, then it looks it all looks like, crap. Sure. So, I mean, you know, you have to have certain things, you know. So being able to tell yourself when's enough and when's not enough, uh, when the line's too thick, when it's too, when it's, uh, when it's, you know, too straight, um, uh, you know, uh, like I said, that's, that, that falls into, you know, like brush strokes. So like, if you're, you know, if you're doing like, you know, lines for cuts, making sure that you have that nice curvature, uh, to the line versus sure. the, you know, the nice straight, even lines, because, you know, when you, when you hit the, when you come and you make that strike, your, you know, your body or your arm's going to move a little bit. So you will see that little bit of, you know, turn. So, you know, knowing those little things for your brush strip to add all that little bits of information to the model, uh, really, you know, helps to, you know, progress the storyline. I, I, did I, did I yeah. answer that question correctly? No, that's, no, I don't <laughs> think there was a, there was a, I don't think there was a correct answer to that. I just, oh, yeah. I wanted to know, you know, what, what you use to do that. And for you right now, it's color and all that thing, but brush stroke is super yeah. important. And I think that's really interesting because I know in uh, a lot of fine art and the masters, you know, the, the, the quote unquote, you know, the master painters of the past, uh, the analysis of brushstroke and how it's used to create texture and distract from other things, um, what what it does for the energy of the painting and the, mm -hmm. the, the mood is super important. And I don't, I see a lot of miniature artists starting to play with that. There's, there's mm -hmm. certain people that I see playing with that a lot, but then there's this huge focus on, you know, butter smooth blends and, mm -hmm. you know, all this other all this other stuff that takes away you're trying to make the the brush strokes disappear but i think 
I think your approach of having a balance where, you know, you don't want too much because it's too messy, it's too distracting, but then having those in the right, those types of brushstrokes and those micro textures and things like that in the right place is super important. And I think that's a really cool balance between yeah. the two. Because I, I keep finding myself going over to the, you know, rough brush tr- strokes. It, it adds mm-hmm. so much texture. But I think you're absolutely right that that um, it can be too distracting. And I think that's a problem I've been having with some of my paint jobs lately. They, they just look messy. I think mm-hmm. I'm doing too much with that. So thank you. That's exactly, mm-hmm. that's that's what I needed to hear. <laughs> I appreciate it. I don't know. Not a problem. I mean, that's what that's, I mean, that's what this that's what I love about this industry area, you know, love about this hobby is, you know, you have so much that you can interact with so many mm-hmm. people and like, you know, you could, you know, you know, by getting that other perspective that you get from all these other painters, you know, you're able to, you know, see that and you maybe see something that you didn't see before, something that you can, you know, that helps you kind of, or maybe something you're kind of intuitively doing and not even realizing it. And then, yeah. you know, somebody it out to you and you're like oh wow that really is wow i didn't even you know didn't even realize that that's what i was doing right there but you're absolutely correct yeah uh and then of course you know there is the uh fewer brush strokes which is something that you know that i'm working on too i mean if you watch some of the other you know you know, if you like watch any of the videos with some of these masters you know uh, you know alfonso or sergio or you know ben or matt mm-hmm. or, you know any of these guys you know their their brush strokes are so short I mean, it, it really is. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's intimidating sometimes to watch Abs- that. Absolutely. But it's also inspiring, but yeah. it's also yeah, terrifying. It yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I'm never going to be that good. <laughs> well, that's, uh, you know, that's, that's definitely, you know, it's, it's all about practice. Yeah. You know, one of the things that Ben Komet said, uh, that I really, really agree with, uh, you know, cause he said, you know, people tell me all the time that I'm really, really talented because I'm not really talented. I've just been doing this for a really long time. I've, mm-hmm. I've practiced a lot. And he said, well, you just painted that amazing model in a day. And he says, no, I painted that model in 20 years in a day because yeah. that's how long it's actually taken me to get here. Yeah. Uh, and that's, and that's definitely, you know, the case when it comes to anything, you know, um, uh, your talent is pursued interest. I, yep, I've heard that and I agree with it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't remember who said that, but I completely agree with it. Yeah, yeah neither do I, but I, yeah, I, I, I 100%. Yeah. With all of this, all of this stuff and all this planning that you do and all the techniques that you're, that you're working on getting better, what's something that you want to try or, but you're hesitant to? Um, there is a, uh, the pattern work. Um, I've, I've kind of played around with it a little bit. Um, but when you're talking about like certain, like, like if you're talking like a, like a crochet pattern or like a star pattern, Mm -hmm. like, you know, different things like that. Um, you see Matt E. Pietro, he was like sitting there and he was, you know, just with a pen, just like drawing out all these crazy design patterns, which is like these simple little, and I'm looking at it and I'm like that, that's, Okay, <laughs> I I need to write that down because I I I forgot that he does all that. Oh yeah, oh. he's uh, he's he's amazing. Yeah, and 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 that stuff is just fantastic. No, you're, you're absolutely right. And just to be clear for those who are are listening, uh, when we're saying pattern work, we're talking about like freehanding patterns on armor and on cloth, like brocade and lace 
and mm-hmm. just repeating patterns to to add a lot of really interesting visual fine detail to miniatures. Well, the, the tweed that he did on the the little the Sherlock Holmes uh-huh. one, that one, I, it's like I mean the miniatures are like this big, and I mean he's sitting there holding a penny up to him, and I mean they're I, they're just little tiny, you know the the little you know cross hatched, you, know, uh, uh-huh. you know like where they they go down one way and then um, so it was just like that's yeah. just mind-blowing right there yeah it's i'll put i'll I'll put a picture of what 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 he's describing in the show notes if i can if i can Mm -hmm. find it between during the editing process because i don't think i've i've seen that so i i definitely will find that and that's absolutely bonkers that people Mm -hmm. are able to do that i want to know more yeah he's he's uh he's a uh a fountain of knowledge he really is uh he you know he's got a show me how to do um uh a really you talk about like fun like interesting uh you know creating like interesting textures mm-hmm. and things like that uh if you wanted to create like felt uh you would take your you know you would take this brush and as you were building your layers up you would just you would just you would just pat them on like that uh and almost it, like a stipple but with the side of the brush no no with it straight on uh, and, and you're, you're going up, you're, 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 you're building your, 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 your cylinder, basically, if, uh-huh. you look at, if you think of things in like cylinders and, and, and shapes and things like that. Um, if, as you build them up and you're, you're, you're use your darker colors and move into your lighter colors. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you just, if you just kind of just slightly just blot it on there like that, uh, with a, with a nice little broken, broken up brush, okay. it will actually get a nice felty. Uh, look to the uh, oh, okay to the to the to the blend. I I, I did a little bit of it on the piece that I uh, uh, on one of my busts. Uh, okay, uh, but you can see it on the shoulder pattern. Like you can see the light, you can see the you know the 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 contrast mm-hmm. uh, going on, but it's not like it's it's not like a smoothing blending contrast. You can just but you can see that you know kind of with you know so it's it's, it's almost kind of fuzzy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I definitely want to see that. But what's the biggest challenge you've faced as a miniature painter so far? Um, other than my ADD? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I would say, uh, God, I would say airbrushing was one of the hardest things to okay. to, to really to air, airbrushing and, and brush technique. Both of those two things have been the hardest things. Uh, to really learn, um, you know, you know, getting, you know, glazes down mm-hmm. is part of that with, uh, with brush technique and with airbrushing, uh, but the learning curve, um, for the, for those things is, has been, uh, has been struggle. Uh, and, and I feel like on those things, as with everything, uh, with this hobby, I'm always learning and I'm always still trying to improve, uh, what, you know, my techniques on that. Um, airbrushing, I finally feel like I've got somewhat of a handle on, which that's, that was a whole nother thing yeah. in and of itself, uh, because I'd started off with, uh, a SOTAR 2020 cause I didn't know any better. Nice. And really and, fine tip. Yeah. And trying to lay down base coats and do those things with a SOTAR 2020 mm-hmm. doesn't, doesn't really work. Uh, it wasn't until I took, uh, it wasn't until I learned about the the Badger Patriot. Mm-hmm. And I like, I, I grabbed that and I was like, Oh, this is, 
this is a completely different world. And then I, you know, was able to go back to the SOTAR 2020. And now I use the SOTAR 2020 for, uh, the same techniques that I use for Sergio Calvo Rubio's, uh, where he, as he works backwards, uh, where he lays down thick base coats and okay. layers up. And then he goes back in with an airbrush and he blends it together. Oh, okay. Uh, and, but it's at the very end and he uses very thin, uh, very thin glazes mm -hmm. out of the airbrush. So it's like 20% of the process. So like, so like 80% of the process is brush and 20% is airbrush. Um, whereas like, you know, currently, you know, a lot of guys will do like 30 or 40% sure. airbrush and then the rest will be. And okay. So he uses the airbrush as more of finishing work and that's what mm -hmm. you've you've decided to continue doing yeah i've been i've been playing well i, I try to mix the techniques i uh -huh. really do um you know it's it's uh it's it's just about using what technique i feel works best for what area of the model i happen to be working on at that time okay um you know i'll use a i am using the airbrush at the end a lot more because it, it does give me the ability to uh kind of splash colors around a little bit, uh, but I'm still kind of experimenting and playing around with it. I'm nowhere near as good as Sergio is, but it's definitely sure. a lot of fun. That's awesome. When you were figuring out the airbrush, you were starting to get more comfortable with it. Can you give any tips or anything, any insights in your own learning process? Um, Thin it, you uh, keep it nice and thin. It's it's always the same thing. Your your sure. PSI levels and your and you keeping it nice and and thin. Uh, I would definitely say I like to keep mine and with you know under the the twenty PSI. Okay. Uh, keep it at about like fifteen to eighteen. That's just generally about you know about perfect for about the for the mix that I make. I make my own um, dilution. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like 10 to 20% alcohol, uh, distilled, you know, uh, uh, rubbing alcohol and then mm -hmm. distilled water. Okay. Uh, and then that's what I use to, uh, to, to thin my paints down. Um, and then of course I get it to a, you know, I do get it to a kind of a glazy level, uh, okay. rather than more of a heavily pigmented level. Uh, and that seems to, whether you're doing, uh, Sergio's technique or not, it just, you know, working in those thinner paints, being able to build up without adding on, like just caking paint on sure. to, the, to the model gives you a little bit more, you know, freeway and, leeway, you know, freedom and leeway okay. uh, when you're working with them. Um, so, that's just been my experience. Okay. So for, for you working in, in super transparent blaze, like consistency for the paint, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is and and low psi has kind of been the key for you to get more and more comfortable with and, and uh, the other thing i would say uh was freehand okay freehand was definitely a um and still is uh something that is is always a you know a struggle to learn but i i learned sure. a really fantastic technique uh from francisco uh faribi mm -hmm. or francesco faribi um from chimera uh, he, you know, he, he, you know, he's like, he, he broke it down into structures. Uh, so basically, you know, you know, make the, the basic shape of what it is that you're trying to create mm -hmm. using a nice model color khaki, 
okay. uh, and a little bit of a black and touched in with a with some black paint. Okay. You lay that down first, and then you just add a little bit of black into the model color khaki, and then you will use that to kind of create your structure shape. Then you go back in with black, you outline it, outlining what your shape is to be, and then you go in and you can add in your darker shading lines, and then you just kind of slowly build that. You add in a little bit of cream to the model color, and you just you just build you just build that you know build it up into your to your full value scale. Uh, if you're doing anything that has color, uh, then you can just you know like I did the the you know, like I did roses. Uh, so I you know I painted the roses up until their full value, and then I took a little bit of red ink and I mm -hmm. thinned it down a little bit, and I just glazed a little bit of red ink over it, and boom, boom. it was done. Yep. Awesome. Uh, if, you're doing, if you're doing skulls, uh, you know you're you build it up as to a full white, mm -hmm. and then it you're you're you know you're good to go. Uh, so I mean you know just getting over those and just you know practicing those techniques and uh, you know that's but those are definitely the things that you know were definitely have have been some of the hardest ones for me to overcome. Yeah, I think I think for me the the hardest part with freehand is getting used to doing. The shapes and then also getting used to going back and forth like mm -hmm. you know if you're doing a skull paint the you know paint the the oval and then paint the square and then mm -hmm. after you know paint it all the way don't leave holes for the eyes then come back in afterwards and put put in the eyes and then touch those back up and just going back mm -hmm. and forth it just feels like a lot more work than it should be but mm -hmm. by the end of it you're like oh that looks amazing yeah. And I didn't, you know, spend five hours outlining the skull and then highlighting it as, you know, it's 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 in its entirety. Mm -hmm. So I think I think that's the thing I still struggle with a lot. So yeah. it's it, but I mean that's 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 we learn from every single one that we, you know, mm -hmm. every single mistake that we 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 make is just another lesson that we learn and helps us to progress and help makes it better for the next time. I mean, that's that's the way it goes, right? Yep. Preach it. Preach it. That's that's <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. What has been your biggest disappointment or failure on a miniature project so far and how did you recover? Did you recover, and how has that affected you moving forward? Um, I would actually say the biggest failure was the one that actually got me to start being uh, more competitive and okay. start pursuing this uh, um, as a as a miniature painter. Um, I painted up a, a mammoth uh, for Gen Con. It would have mm -hmm. been five years ago now, five years ago, six years ago, and six years ago. And I uh, won a bronze. Totally didn't expect it. I spent like three months working on the thing. Wow. You know, like, it's like, it was really, you know, you know, dived into it. You know, it was really like, you know, you know, there was a lot of gap filling, sure. and, you know, stuff to, you know, I was really proud of like how, you know, how well I was able to get the, you know, the skin to match up and, you know, and everything else. And Was that a Forge World Mammoth or a different company's uh, mammoth? Uh, uh, Privateer Press. Okay. Uh, okay. They're 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 giant. Uh, like uh, 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 wasn't a woolly mammoth. It looked kind of oh. like a uh, six arm. It looked like it had like four arms and like and the two legs, uh, and it oh, had like okay. four big tusks and a big giant you know back head and like had all these like metal rings sticking out of it. And Is that a scorn model? Uh, yep, scorn model. Yep. Scorn. Sorry, yep. I'm I'm no, so no. bad with no, war no. machine. No. no, no, you're fine. Uh, no, that that was my game. 
Uh, I love that game. And I love my scorn models too. I actually sold my scorn faction last year. It was, it kind of hurt. That was a lot of my painted stuff. I believe it. Um, but, uh, so I, I won, uh, I won a, a bronze that year and I was, I was super stoked. And so the next year, uh, I was like, okay, so I picked up the, the Xerxes of uh, this like Epic Xerxes, like that year at, at Gen Con. And I was like, I started, you know, building this project and, uh, I did have tried to have the, the rhino like smashing this, uh, ret jack into the earth. Uh, and I did, uh, try to do like, um, uh, I did camo on yeah. the, on the arm, which I've hand painted the camo. I'd never done that before. And I was like, I will never ever <laughs> paint camo again. Like I will do pattern work and do a lot of other things before I will ever hand paint camo again. I will airbrush that on. That was just, uh, but they, you know, they, and like, I spent a lot of time like blending the, the inner parts of the, okay. uh, but the earth that I had, you know, like it was, didn't really look a lot like earth. It just looked like kind of a lot of pushed up rocks. And I didn't really, other mm. than the camo, uh, I didn't really put much of an effort, uh, into the red Jack. Like I put a lot into the camo, but there was no shading or anything else beyond that. Like it was just the camo feature gotcha. like on the mop. Very, very arbitrary. Uh, but I put a lot of work into it in my mentality. Uh, and I got nothing that year. And, uh, and I was devastated and, uh, uh Doug Hamilton uh, from privateer press, who's a sculptor for privateer press. Uh, he actually talked to me and spent a lot of time talking during that time. Uh, and really, uh, it was right after that. Uh, I met another, another painter who has won Gen Con a few times, best in show. His name's Richard Curtis. He's a local guy for me. Okay. Uh, and he started talking to me about other painters and he pointed me in the right direction. And he was kind of a mentor for me in the very beginning. Uh, and it, it was that experience though, that really like that crushing, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, defeat or not defeat, but, you know, just, you know, just, you know, putting so much time and energy and, uh, just nothing really happening at, at you know, afterwards. And I just I kind of expected it at that point, I think. Sure. Uh, and it was, it, that's, I think was the, the, you know, the most humili you know, the most you know, uh, humbling thing, I mean, uh, but the most humbling thing about it and really, really got me to change my perspective and, uh, really start to learn. And the more I started to learn about the hobby and the, the masters of this hobby, the more I realized there's so much shit I don't know. <laughs> Um, and I mean, there's still so many guys out there that just completely blow my mind on a daily basis. I look at my social media and I'm like, Jesus Christ, these, the Europeans have just, just this laundry list of just these amazing painters yeah. and just, I just, just, you know, just Google them all day long. Yeah. There's, <laughs> there's, there's some amazing talent and, and some amazing dedicated painters yeah. over in Europe. And uh, yeah. they they make some amazing stuff. Not not uh, you know not downplaying people in other parts of the world, in, oh, including no. the U.S. But yeah. there's just I don't know what it is. Like the the art style that they that they do is just breathtaking. I, I think it's because of the fact that they have just such a close community over there uh, when it comes to their painting. Like they're sure. just so much all about sharing their ideas. Uh, over there where, you know, 
here we get a little bit more of the, uh, you know, and I, I, sometimes maybe we get a little bit more of the competitive hoarding mentality mm-hmm. of, you know, I'm not going to tell you my most secret techniques, uh, you know, to, to win. Uh, you know, Sergio, it was at, you know, uh, uh, one of my friends was asking Sergio about that. I was talking to him about, uh, you know, you know, are you, do you, you worry about teaching people, you know, your techniques or that they're going to go and be you? It's like, like, no, not really. You know, just, just, you know, just enjoy teaching, you know, just enjoy teaching. And I think that's just the separation that we have uh, with, you know, the U.S. versus the, you know, uh, the Europeans. But I think we're getting better about it. I, I agree. Think, I, I think we're, I think we're really starting to, you know, starting to open up, you know, you got a lot more, you know, a lot more painters I'm starting to see that are starting to travel the country. Shoshi Bauer is really starting mm-hmm. to travel. Uh, you know, my, my local friend here, Kevin Fain, he's starting to travel. Pietro's coming out. Yep. Like all these guys are starting to move around. We're starting to share information. So, I mean, that's a, that's a definite positive for us over here on the side. Absolutely. I, I think another thing that contributes to it is just how far apart we are. You know, it's it's not just that I don't know. It's not just that people are are, are hoarding mm-hmm. the knowledge, and I, I I completely acknowledge that that is and will continue to be an issue for some people. But mm-hmm. the continental United States and Canada and Mexico are just so huge. Yeah, getting yeah. you know, I can't drive for forty five minutes and be in another country. Yeah. Like I can with certain European countries, especially, you know, you know, farther in Europe. But I think, I think it, you're right that it is also a, uh, a, a lack of communication and, you know, um, mentorship and, and mind groups and close trust between mm-hmm. multiple artists. I, I hope that that continues to change because that's yeah. super important. Yeah, I think I see a lot more of it. I mean, you see in, uh, um, you know, like Lynn Stahl, uh, uh-huh. she's really, you know, she's a really active member in the community and really like one of her big things, it, it seems like is really trying to like bring people together. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I mean, you know, you've seen a lot more of that going on. Uh, and I, I, I love it. I love that, you know, that they're, you know, uh, Nestor Medina, he's another really good mm-hmm. one. Yeah. Sorry, I, I can go on and on and on. I'm Absolutely, just gonna start, I'm gonna start name dropping here. <laughs> that's that's okay. That's okay. If I haven't talked to those people about being on the podcast yet, I should. So. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, those are you know these are definitely you know and there's and there's a lot of really great um, a lot of really uh, Vincent Venturella. Uh-huh. If I was going to say another one, if you're absolutely. talking about like some of the best. This is, you know, we talk about, you, you talk about learning uh, and getting as much as we can from each other mm-hmm. in this community. I mean, having, you know, having resources like this is exactly what, you know, what we need in order to, to kind of see those different perspectives and to see those different, you know, uh, people's uh, views. Looking back on, you know, your own, your own journey again, um, what's the biggest risk you've taken with a miniature project that's just been ended up being a total win. And maybe you didn't think it was going to be, but you're just like, you know, forget it. We're going to try it. Um, it would have probably been the, uh, the Nemo project from last year. Okay. That would have been, a, that would have been, a, there was a lot of risk that one. And then, uh, my fade bus that I also entered at the Gen Con time, mm-hmm. um, uh, I actually had several different accidents. Uh, and oh. then, then, uh, I actually had a, Point where the uh, the paint started in certain areas. I don't know if it was my primer or not underneath. 
is starting to, to, to crack a little bit. Oh, no. Uh, so in order to fix it, I actually created imperfections in her flesh, and it paid off. Like, it actually looks like freckles and, and things like that. Oh, that are actually that's cool. Like, uh, but I mean, yeah, the, and then there was the, uh, the Nemo with the Nemo bust. Uh, I had originally planned to do a bunch of weathering, mm-hmm. so I had put a bunch of stripping stuff underneath it. And then I went back like months later. And of course, by that time, there was no, like the chipping material who was, was not going to, you know, come off easily, yeah. anything like that. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to leave it and do another project. And I was going to meet up with some friends and, and uh, do some painting that day. Mm-hmm. So I actually took it and I had wrapped it in a cloth and I put it into my, uh, into my case and somehow I had some water spill in there and the cloth got a little damp and the uh, chipping material, the, uh, the, the paint, the, the cloth got right on top of it and the chipping material pulled some of the paint off of it. Oh, uh, and some of the areas no. that I didn't necessarily wanted to, but I was able to turn it and make it look like, you know, made it look like the weathering that it was supposed to in, in, in the first place. And then I actually did like, like I said, I, I did burn on the face and, mm-hmm. And a, and a couple of other things where I was able to turn those mistakes and those uh, catastrophes into uh, you know, wins for the model and at the end of the day. Okay. But, but that doesn't mean that there was not a string of expletives uh, <laughs> in between uh, coming up with those and you know trying to figure out how, how I was going to fix those problems. Sure. So it took a... Take a um, a page out of Bob Ross is like there are no accidents, you know. There's no mistakes, just happy little accidents, yep. and just trying to take that to heart. Uh, Ralph Steadman says uh, uh, they are uh, just opportunities. Uh, when mm-hmm. he was when he was doing a, a the Anthony Bourdain mm-hmm. uh, show, and he went to Ralph Steadman's house. Out Ralph Steadman had a pitcher of ink, and he was pouring it over the canvas and he's like what if you make a mistake it's like there are no mistakes there are only opportunities like yep that's it's a good mindset (laughs) yeah it's a really good mindset yeah it also blows my mind too because i you know that's that even with those it's still it's it's hard to look at it when you're in when you're in the moment because of the fact that you know like i said before you know we get i get so invested in like what my my vision is and Mm -hmm. if i don't have the ability to try and allow myself sometimes to break out of that then i really am uh you know robbing myself of the ability to kind of see those changes that could you know add more information or change or progress the model even further than what i originally that's awesome yeah i am uh i am risk adverse so that I think that's one of the issues that I need to address, but I'm mm-hmm. hearing those ty- these types of stories about, you know, just how something horrible's happened, but you've been able to recover from that really it really helps people like me who are like, I don't want to try that. I don't want to play around with that because then I'll ruin it or I won't be able to recover. Yeah. So that's that's really useful. And even if you can't, I mean you can always you can always strip and yeah. start over, or you can just set it aside and revisit it at another time. I mean, yep. that's the, those are those are always you know. There's always also the uh, knowing when to step away from a model, sure. knowing when you know you just you've got to call it completed and then move on to the next piece. Um, 
And that's a, that's that in and of itself. Sometimes you have, sometimes it's good to have a friend. It's like, it's time to call it. I think you're done. <laughs> no, that makes sense. But what's the, um, so far, what has been the biggest, you know, pure win? What's the biggest triumph that you've had? Um, wow. Um, I mean, getting getting that unexpected bronze is is pretty awesome. But yeah, that would probably yeah, I would definitely say that one. That that one was my uh, the the first one that that hooked me. I would definitely agree with. Um, you know, that was probably one of the biggest ones for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying to think as well because there's 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 been others just outside of of competition. Okay. Uh, just where I, you know, where I've been able to just execute something and I, and I'm just so, uh, and I'm just so happy with myself. Um, when I painted, uh, I, you know, did a commission piece and, and I was able to really start capturing, uh, you know, and start to understand, uh, non-metallic metals. Okay. Uh, you know, like I said, you know, that was a huge, you know, feel felt like a huge win for me. Uh, you know, that moment when, you know, uh, you know, taking classes and learning how freehand really worked in that moment when it really started to click, um, you know, that, that I felt like that was a really big win for me. Um, you know, the same for, uh, the same for learning how to glaze, even getting my, even getting my wet palette to the, to, to the right place, uh, felt like it was like a, you know, like a really big win for me. Um, you know, those, those, those big accomplishments where you have like these, these huge struggles within the hobby, Mm-hmm. Um, those feel like they are the biggest wins to me, uh, more than anything and being able to, uh, overcome that and then move on to the next one so that you can put, you know, you put your next challenge in front of you, I think is, uh, I think is, is where I would say my biggest wins have, have been, if that awesome. makes any sense. No, it, uh, no, it definitely, that's good perspective. Little victories yeah. are just as important as like the massive Eureka moments. Mm-hmm. And I think we get little victories all the time, right? In in painting is like, you know, that time where you get that first absolutely spot on hard highlight, like that edge highlight that's just beautifully thin and you get so excited but then you look at somebody's like, "Oh, they do it all the time." And this is this isn't a major thing for me. It's like, "No, no, no. That was that was massive. That no, was huge." It's, yeah, it's it, it's if if it's big to you, that's all that it it matters. It's that's that's all that that's that, uh, that's the most important part right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> With you pushing to you know improve yourself at its core, why do you paint miniatures as opposed to all of these other art forms that you're familiar? With? What is it about um, miniatures? You know, like I said, I, you know, I played around with uh, painting canvas. I've definitely, you know, I played around with, you know, you know, I'd like to draw. I still want to learn how to sculpt and get mm-hmm. better at sculpting. I've done a little bit and had some successes, uh, nothing into the scale that I paint currently. Uh, definitely, you know, it's been with larger scales. Um, but, uh, you know, with with miniatures, uh, I think it just goes back to my love of playing with action figures, <laughs> which never, never seem to die. And I don't, I don't play with action figures anymore because now I paint models. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I've, I, I've, I, I kind of always have really loved, uh, you know, both with miniatures and with 
figures and things like that. And even with sculpting, you know, I love the, the 3d, uh, rendering of, of a model. And then when you take the aspect of adding, uh, your painting principles and, you know, your other artistic principles mm -hmm. and you, and you combine the two of them together. I just, I just really enjoy that, you know? Uh, and then, you know, you have so many, these, excuse me, you these amazing sculptors that are all out there. And I mean, they're creating these fantastic yep. works. And I mean, that's, you just look at them and I mean, that's the first thing that I, I just can't help it. I mean, that, I, I don't know about yourself, but like, you know, I've got <laughs> cases behind me of, uh, of boxes and, and models that I, that I still need to paint. Yep. Uh, because, uh, you know, I just, that's, I see them and I'm just like, I, I you know, I, I, I just want to paint them. Like, yep. that's just, I'm just drawn to it that way, I guess. And like I said, it just probably has everything to do with, you know, uh, how much I just really loved playing with my action figures as a kid. And I still just never gotten over that. So a kid. That's, that's great. You know, that, I think that's a fantastic reason. Uh, I know exactly what you mean by seeing all of these amazing painters. If I mm -hmm. subscribed to every single, I'm sorry, uh, all these amazing sculptors, obviously mm -hmm. amazing painters as well, but all these amazing yeah. sculptors who have Patreons where mm -hmm. you're getting these beautiful, beautiful, like exclusive sculpts, I mm -hmm. would never have any money. Like, yeah. never mind being able to buy miniatures. If I could, uh, like, subscribe to them all mm -hmm. just to get the STL files for printing or something yeah. like that. And I don't even have a 3D printer. Yeah. Like, I would never leave my house. I would be printing 24-7 and I'd never paint. I barely have time to put them together. Right? <laughs> I completely understand. <laughs> I, I, I've been, I'm obsessed with collecting and buying the kingdom death models. Um, yep. but I just, I very barely have the time to play the game. Yep. Uh, that's a, got, it's a wonderful game. Monster oh, kingdom death monster is actually just a wonderful game. Yeah. Uh, it, uh, it's a, it's a fun game. It's it just in play. And then the models are just absolutely mm -hmm. spectacular. Yep. Um, I'm, I'm glad I didn't get, I haven't gotten sucked into that, it's, but I, uh, I keep looking at them. It's just like, my bank account's going to kill me. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's uh it's, it's definitely been one of those things where I've, uh, I've tried to steer away from, well, yeah, as best as I can. Sure. I, mean, I, I, yeah, I walk into Gen Con and I'm, I'm still trying to build up from the monster set from the first year. And I've right. still got like five or six models to pick up. Mm -hmm. And I mean, they're like 50 to a hundred dollars a piece. Uh, you know, just for the individual, yep. like, because each monster expansion uh, is different. Yeah, anyways, yeah, it's it's nuts. Uh, when I was talking about it with uh, Cutthroat here, uh, Devonia Maher, I, mm -hmm. was, I was talking about wanting to get into the game, and he uh, he says, "Do you have a very understanding girlfriend and <laughs> and uh, extra income?" Like, no, I have neither of those things. <laughs> He's like, don't get into that game. Don't do it. I, Don't do it. I, I did it anyways. <laughs> That's a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> but they're so beautiful. Out of all of them, I think I'm just, you know, going completely off the rails here. There mm -hmm. are like the Dung Beetle Knight, the Flower Knight, Slender Man. Um, oh. And what? Like, I want to get it, but I'm terrified of it because the daddy long leg thing with the, the ang like the human body anglerfish 
Uh, oh, lure. Oh, which one? The, uh, the it looks like uh, a daddy long leg. It's huge. Shoshi's well, painted at least two or three of them for people. That's the spidiculus with multiple yes. eyes on the side. Yeah, yeah that's, that, that's spidiculus. That thing is so uh, creepy, but I want to paint that so badly. Uh, the uh, the one that I'm looking forward to eventually, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull it out and start painting it. Is the Gorm? It, it, it has grown on me. That's really? the baby, the, yeah, the baby no. looking thing with the angler. Yeah, yeah, it has. It's grown on me. I've seen some amazing paint jobs on that thing. Like yeah. what, you, what you can do with the eye. When you really think about it, like what you can do with like the eyes, since mm -hmm. you know you'd be blind, so you can do like blind eyes, but like lots of like little veins on the inside. Yep. How uh, you do the cast off light, and you know do your ambient light, and you know uh, your, your your direct light. And, yeah. I mean, that's. So, I mean, you could really play around with that. And there's, you know, like, like I said, you know, like at first though, when I first saw it, I was like that thing. I'm not, I'm not sure how I feel about that model. But I'm still I not sure it, how I feel about that model other than it would, it, it, it has so much potential to be mm -hmm. so cool, but I am not the person who is ever going to attempt it because I can't stand that model. It's just so creepy. It is. It is definitely. But yeah, like I said, you, I've seen so many like you know really good painted versions. I'm just like I kind of want to. I kind of want to take that that challenge and and do that and and paint that model. What is your kind of? I, I call it the unicorn project. But if money and time and technique wasn't weren't obstacles to you. Hmm. What would be your dream project? Now that can either be, you know, uh, a miniature or doing an existing miniature, an easy to get miniature in whatever technique that you, you want, but just what does that dream project look like for you? Um, I would say there's two unicorn projects that I have. One of them I'm going to be attempting for Gen Con this upcoming year, okay. uh, which is going to be to build i have a bunch of uh my little ponies that are like themed like i've got like a a pirate one a uh -huh. dragon one and a unicorn one either things like that but i want to do them sitting around a table uh playing D. &D. Uh, nice I wanna, so, so i mean creating the screen and the dice and the and the, and the character sheets it's that's that's definitely going to be like way more than i have knowledge to uh so i mean that's that's going to be kind of one of my big projects so i'm, I'm going to be working on that this upcoming year it's going to uh, push your then, skills a lot yeah yeah i'm actually that one i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna be taking private coaching to to help me okay. out with because awesome. i wouldn't be able to without it uh, and that's and that's sometimes that's some of the things that you have to do in this in industry i mean that's how you learn and that's how you get better sure uh and then the other one is uh, Kirill Kanaev. Uh, he painted a bust mm -hmm. in non-metallic metal that you can turn at 360 degrees turn, and at every angle, it looks like metallic. It what? Never, it never looks like it's, you know, because, you know, that's usually the issue with yeah. non-metallic metal is it only looks like non-metallic metal from a certain angle. No, it looks like metallic from the whole way around. Wow, that's really impressive. That's my unicorn. That's okay. that's. I want to learn how to do that. Okay. I, but I've taken the classes with Kirill before, and he is. 
it, it's it's mind blowing. I mean, he talks about texturizing, you know, metal, uh, and I mean, it's uh-huh. it's just it's just nuts. And then how he does his his textures, just like in I don't know if you've seen some of his work or you know, I've uh, probably seen it, but um, nothing's coming to, to mind right now. I'll uh, I'll shoot you a couple of uh, I think I got a couple of his. Uh, either way, I can I'll, I'll shoot you a couple of pictures. Okay. And, you're not going to believe that you're looking at a painted bust. It's uh, the text, the textures on it will make it look like you're looking at like felted cloth and the, the oh, metallics man. on it will make it look like you're actually looking at metal. Like he is he's nuts. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's, that's my big unicorn right there is learning how being able to figure out how to paint non-metallic metal to look like metallic all the way around the entire model. That's fantastic. That, that is really ambitious because i'm i know a lot of people super still struggle with just regular non-metallic metal but Mm -hmm. you're right one of the major problems that most people encounter with non-metallic metal speaking as someone who can't paint non-metallic metal at the moment is (laughs) is making it look good from more than just one angle like Mm -hmm. i know uh back in the day when um that's something lester bursley worked a lot on for awesome paint job he he you know he would you know he would take like okay i'm painting the non-metallic metal so it looks good from the front from both sides and the back and it looked really good mm-hmm. but if you looked and, and it was impressive that he got it for you know four di- four directionals but doing mm-hmm. every direction that's yeah. insane yeah yeah, he did. He this is a video of him just going just all the way around where he just turns the model. And like I said, there's not a, a moment in that break where at any point in time where you're like, that looks like I'm looking at a a non-metallic metal model. No, wow. it just it looks like he painted it like it looks like it's metal, and he's just showing you a picture of it as he's spinning it around like it's nuts. That's awesome. Yeah. That's fantastic. All right. Well, I'm gonna have to see if I can find that. Is that I want to uh, see a picture of that. Yeah, I'll see if I can find. Um, uh, I'll shoot you his. I'll shoot you his name, and just you can go to his uh, Facebook page, and a lot okay. of the stuff you can you can archive through. You know, go through a lot of his stuff there. He's not super active, mm-hmm. um, but whenever he does post, you're just it. It will blow you. It will blow you away. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm excited. I'm excited to see that. Okay, so uh, at the beginning of the show, we said that you are starting up uh, doing your Twitch stream. You've done a couple mm-hmm. episodes so far. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have a set schedule? Uh, I will be streaming on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, okay. uh, starting at 7 o'clock Eastern Standard Time until okay. about 10 o'clock. Um, until uh, that will be my schedule for now uh, because I will be offering up. Uh, I'm doing each each night. I'm going to give away a free hour of private one-on-one coaching to Ooh. one of my to one of my followers, uh, and then uh, it, I'm also just going to be available. So I mean, on the weekends, I'm not going to have too much of a streaming schedule because I will be trying to do some more uh, private one-on-one coaching. Sure. So I, I'm available as uh, I am going to be available until I get a, get a little bit more comfortable with my Twitch streaming. I am free for private available. You know. Uh, one-on-one coaching so anybody that's interested just send me a private message and uh, i will try and get a time set up so that we can sit down and go over some stuff okay and people can find you where online uh you can find me on uh you can find me on uh uh twitch of course splendiferous underscore uh minis 
Uh, you can find me on Instagram under split, uh, uh, splendiferous underscore uh, minis as well there. Uh, and also uh, on uh, Facebook uh, under splendiferous miniatures. Okay. Uh, so any, is there any one, underscore in the Facebook one or is it just uh, straight splendiferous miniatures? It's just a straight one. Okay. Uh, it, it's uh it actually is splendiferous minis, not splendiferous miniatures. Sorry. Okay. Uh, but there's no, there's no underscore. The only mini, the only one the underscores for is it requires it for what uh, uh, Twitch and for sure. uh, for uh, Instagram. Sure. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Awesome. Fantastic. Well, uh, thank you so much for coming on. And thank you uh, for having me. Absolutely. It's been a, it's been a pleasure. This has been a really fun conversation. Absolutely. And I look forward to seeing you at Adepticon this next upcoming yeah, year. Yep. Yeah. Uh, oh, I got to get my plane ticket, but I already got my room. All right. Fantastic. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed the interview. These interviews are recorded live on my Twitch channel. If you'd like to catch a live recording, feel free to give me a follow on twitch.tv slash uselesswizard. If you do show up to a live recording, you'll be able to participate in one of the Q&A sessions we have with our guests. We have several of these every recording session, and it's a lot of fun. There have been a couple of times where the Q&A session lasts longer than the podcast. If you'd like to support the podcast, the best thing you can do is either share it or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or whatever streaming platform you're listening to. It helps a great deal with discoverability. If you'd like to keep up with what I'm doing in the hobby and how I'm applying the different things we're learning from our guests, give me a follow on Instagram or Twitter under UselessWizard. And until next time, remember that painting is good for the soul.